Eminent scored on a power play versus St. Louis because St. Louis took a before-the-puck-drop bench penalty. The reason? They didn't put out the five skaters they submitted for the starting lineup. The lone second-period goal, another Edmonton power play tally, was on the third penalty St. Louis took. They were called twice in a row for too many men on the ice. That after the first bench minor. Somehow, as the bizarre game continued unfolding, St. Louis walked away with two points despite the start. Edmonton pops up again versus Nashville in a game like we spoke of, the scoreless Isles in Colorado game in last segment, where most of the third, once the game was tied up, neither team seemed interested in trying to win the game because they both wanted at least to pick up the loser point. I'm thinking Nashville's timekeepers might help their own players' shooting percentage stats by not propping up their players' shots on goal. The 11 Nashville had in the third included a near-center ice dump in Frozen by the Edmonton goalie, among other probable should-not-have-been-counted ones. It was terrible. Try not to lose hockey once it was tied at three. It ended Nashville's six-game losing streak when they won in overtime. However, they fall below St. Louis in the division standings this week as a two-loser points out of a possible 12 points losing streak prior to winning, ought to, and four one-goal games that, if not for Nashville's goaltending, simply would have been more lopsided, not Nashville wins. St. Louis, meanwhile, won back-to-back in Alberta and matched Division Winnipeg's score in Vancouver. All wins. Part of a five-game win streak dating back to the terrible-to-watch St. Louis over Nashville 60-plus minute scoreless OT 1-0 Blues win. That after winning only one of seven prior. St. Louis, while scoring more often this year, can't consistently outscore its bad defense. Nashville, meanwhile, with better goaltending effort, fewer goals against than St. Louis, can't score enough to win with that benefit. From a watchability meter for St. Louis and Nashville, you can appreciate at least with St. Louis, you will have no idea what team shows up and how the game or this season's going to go. It's so inconsistent, but at least because of that, it's unpredictable. Still would be frustrating for a St. Louis fan right now. Nashville, you can always see if Goa UC Soros can bail out Nashville all game and appreciate his near-impossible nightly rescue mission. But if you like goal scoring, it doesn't pop because it's really just watchable only for juice. It would be frustrating for a Nashville fan right now. It's way too far to talk about missing the playoffs for either team because the loser point NHL system keeps teams in the mix longer. But most times, as those Thanksgiving record below the cutoff stats concur, it's unlikely for St. Louis or Nashville.
Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. We keep the division pairings, the podcast runtime, and ability as games get played divisionally nightly. It allows me to keep a hockey flow with my spare time to keep it as current as it is next to impossible to do. The full value of full podcast would be to take the four-part pairings and play them by the division standings order. The win streak and lose streak blues find themselves 500 point percentage. Nashville is 500 point percentage too. St. Louis with more games played and points sits fifth while Nashville is sixth in the division. What I say often is how tough it is to make up ground in the division. If you look at the last 10 games played, St. Louis only matched Colorado but lost ground on Minnesota, Winnipeg, and Dallas. Nashville over the same stretch lost ground on everyone above them in the Central Division standings. And if the Central Division were to snag both wildcard playoff spots, then the fifth place Central Division team could be playoff bound. Trouble is, the four Central teams above would be, and St. Louis and Nashville are behind both Edmonton and Calgary for the last wildcard spot currently held by Edmonton. Nashville might want to try winning some games in regulation. Heading into Wednesday's game, Arizona, who is 7th, has 9 regulation wins this year. Nashville has 8. Even in beating Edmonton, as both teams did, they both gave Edmonton a point, the team they both currently have to try and catch for the second wildcard spot. And not that there has been a big in-season hockey trade this year, and the deadline is far away, I've already talked the coach hot seat, but I don't think that firing happens for either St. Louis or Nashville. I do know the trade rumor talk that has come around nationally for, say, Vancouver has been active already. That's a two games worth record team with a 468 point percentage talking about the need to change the team's mix. The two closest in the West Conference standings to Vancouver at present or St. Louis and Nashville. Fans in those markets should get prepared for the insider trade talk of players on their team departing and not deadline adding player pieces because that's where St. Louis and Nashville are trending. The primary game recap is always put win or lose with the division team with the better record unless otherwise indicated. The bottom pairing is St. Louis and Nashville and we start with the blue notes. St. Louis cleaned up Western Canada, but the latest win streak, someone should remind defenseman Justin Falk, came to an end back on U.S. soil. Canada was good for the Blues. 3-1-0 since our last podcast, and at 16-16-1, 33 points in 33 games played, a 500-point percentage, St. Louis slot up to fifth in the Central Division. Edmonton on a power play open scoring a minute three seconds into the game as we talked up off the top. St. Louis's Jordan Kyrou under seven minutes in makes it one all after one. Edmonton's Connor McDavid's individual effort power play goal less than five minutes in is the lone goal of the middle frame for a 2-1 oil lead. 36 seconds into the back half of the third, Edmonton add their first even straight goal of the game. 
It takes St. Louis's Robert Thomas a minute 11 seconds later to reply, and Edmonton on a late power play, play the puck back into their own defensive zone, make a turnover, and allow St. Louis's Vladimir Tarasenko shorthanded from the slot to tie it up with 20 seconds left in regulation as St. Louis pulls going Bennington to play 5-on-5 five five with an extra skater while shorthanded. St. Louis snagged the extra skills competition point and a potential OT Edmonton winning goal was offside to get it to the shootout and a 4-3 St. Louis win in Edmonton. St. Louis's Ivan Barbashev finishes off a 2-on-1 with Robert Thomas to open scoring in Calgary on the back half of the back-to-back. Calgary point shot goes off players net front to tie it at 1-20. through In the second, off the rush, St. Louis's Jordan Cairo goes far side on the power play, 3.46 in for the lone middle frame goal. St. Louis's Pavel Bushnevich with time from the dot, just under 4 into the third, adds to St. Louis's lead. Calgary get one back. St. Louis take a bit over a minute to score a pair of goals. Brandon Saad five hole and Cairo second, a second before the third's midpoint. St. Louis goalie Thomas Grice two goals against 41 saves as St. Louis outshot 43 to 24, take a 5-2 road win in Calgary. It's the first time St. Louis has won both games in Edmonton and Calgary on back to back since 1994. Scoreless first four visiting St. Louis and Vancouver. 25 seconds past the game's midpoint. St. Louis's Jordan Cairo from the circle goes roof to open scoring. Vancouver on a breakaway. Tie it one second less two minutes after. St. Louis's Nathan Walker's first of the year with a minute 10 left in the middle frame. St. Louis's Robert Thomas has all the time from the dot to go. Far side shelf on the power play. 3-1 St. Louis or two. It takes a minute seven seconds on a carryover penalty for St. Louis's Cairo, second of the game on the power play in third. 41 seconds to the midpoint of the third, St. Louis's Cairo completes the hat trick with his team leading 16th goal, and St. Louis take a 5 1 win in Vancouver. Seattle with 3.33 left in the first, open scoring on a breakaway for a 1 0 lead on St. Louis. The game's midpoint, Seattle get the first of three second period goals to be up 4-0 through 40. Seattle can't score on a penalty shot less than five minutes into the third. St. Louis get on the board a second shy of six minutes as Colton Perenko buries it on a deep pinch joining the rush. St. Louis's Pavel Bushnevich wires a power play goal with a second left in the advantage. 54 seconds past the third's midpoint. Seattle had an empty net goal to win at home, 5-2 over St. Louis. Team leading goal scorer Jordan Cairo did not play in Seattle after getting checked into the boards with 1 minute 31 seconds left in Vancouver and is listed with an upper body injury. He had 6 goals, 3 assists for 9 points in the first 3 games of the road trip and is with 16 goals and assists, 32 points in 30 games played, one of two St. Louis's point-per-game players currently. 11 goals, second on the team. Pavel Bushnevich also has 24 points in 24 games played. He's the other. It's probably, before I share this stat, factual to say you can count on one hand the number of over plus one players in the plus-minus category on St. Louis. What might surprise you, I certainly was, is, and although he would get the toughest opposition matchups, the defensively sound perennial Selkie Trophy, St. Louis captain Ryan O'Reilly, has a team-worst plus-minus at minus 24. 
At 26, left-hand defenseman Nico Mikula is a lone pending unrestricted free agent of St. Louis's rather aged D group. Of the current playing group, that is minus the two-year younger left-hand D Scott Perunovich to injury, Mikula is the youngest. The rest locked up for multiple years are 29 years of age and up. The term, not necessarily the AAV of the other D, if St. Louis wanted to move them for that reason, makes it harder to do. And the return on Mikula probably wouldn't yield more than a third rounder. Mikula is still playing bottom pair minutes and less than 16 minutes per game average time on ice. The NHL market for St. Louis to change the D group mix will be challenging. Of pieces of the forward group that you might, if you're another team, look to grab off of St. Louis, it's probable that the re-upped two lengthy extensions this offseason, Cairo and Robert Thomas, that kick in next year, would be the untouchables. The roster, otherwise, if St. Louis wants to try and offload salaries or trade pending unrestricted free agents, pretty much as everyone else. Fact is, it's a vet group that was supposed to compete, but moving players won't be easy for St. Louis to do, and St. Louis doesn't look positioned to be able to start a rebuild if they were interested in doing it. But changing the team's mix, also with St. Louis up against the cap, is difficult. The head-to-head record for St. Louis versus Vegas is 10-5-6, and six, and regardless of how St. Louis is playing going into playing a game against Vegas, St. Louis always seemed to get up for their games against the Golden Knights. St. Louis's division head-to-head record, 3-4-1. St. Louis finished a five-game road trip in Vegas against the Pacific Division, leading Golden Knights to take the Blues to the Christmas break. St. Louis is 3-1-0 through the first four of the five-game road trip. Nashville 13, 13, 4, 30 points in 30 games played. 500-point percentage have regressed. Nashville did end a six-game losing streak. 1-2-1 since our last pod. The point percentage is equal to St. Louis, and Nashville has three less games played, but are also three points back of the fifth place Blues to now sit sixth in the Central Division. Nashville's Cody Glass opens scoring at home to Edmonton a minute 15 seconds in. Edmonton get three goals before the period ends, including a power play goal with five seconds to go to be up 3-1 after one. The teams trade two goals each in the middle frame, started by Nashville's Ryan Johansson, less than three and a half in. After the Edmonton goal, Nashville defenseman Dante Fabro's first goal of the year, then Edmonton's Connor McDavid's individual effort on the power play with 105 to go in the second. 5-3 Edmonton through 40. Edmonton's lone goal of the third, an empty net goal for Zach Hyman to complete his hat trick. Nashville doubled in a 6-3 home loss to Edmonton. Nashville's OT loser point in Winnipeg's 2-1 overtime home win covered in Winnipeg segment continued Nashville's inability to generate offense while UC Saros carried the team in net with his 39-save performance dueling with Winnipeg's Connor Hellebuck to secure a point for Nashville when the team in front of him largely was outplayed. Nashville's 3-1 loss in Colorado in Colorado's segment is really as expected only close due to stellar netminding by goalie UC Soros. A bit of a push by the Preds in the third, but nowhere near the offensive side of the game required to beat even a banged-up Avs team who arguably had more notable players out of the lineup than Nashville did. Nashville defenseman Matthias Ekholm's 
25 seconds to five minutes in opens the scoring putting away a rebound after he created a neutral zone turnover to start the play a puck thrown on net from the sidewall off the rush finds its way through nashville goalie uc sorrows five hole and into the net for edmonton to tie it at one all through 20 257 into the second a point wrister by nashville's jordan gross somehow goes in an edmonton power play goal a minute 25 seconds after ties it 202 past the game's midpoint nashville's matt deshane off the rush gets a power play goal 3-2 nashville after two in the third edmonton get a power play goal to tie it nine seconds shy of the two minute mark it takes until nashville's alex carrier returning from injury missing four games played to net the overtime winner for a 4-3 nashville win I know Nashville fans must think I can't say anything good, but the perspective is in this four set when they didn't get good goaltending against Edmonton, Nashville was lit up. The overtime win was a lot to do with how Edmonton has real goaltending issues. In between, teams with just as many notable injuries, if not more divisionally, found a way to win even with Nashville getting above-average goaltending. There isn't anything new here to say. This is the same narrative all season long. A two-game win streak if Nashville wins over the embarrassment roster Chicago puts on the ice after a gift from Edmonton's lack of quality average goaltending isn't anything to get false hope about. Nashville sits 30th of 32 teams in goals for, while 16th, middle of the pack, in goals against, even with above-average goaltending of late. Simple answer is finding a way to score. Nashville's Nino Niederreiter's 10 goals is the team leader. 15 points in 30 games played. That's well below top six point per game value. It's half point production. Ryan Johansson, as well as Michael Granlin, slightly better than half point production. And while Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg are near to point per game players, they aren't. And that's five of a top six because the sixth forward is a revolving, but it's recently Colton Sissons, who has eight points in 30 games played. And that's why he isn't a top six player. In fact, half point would be good third line value. And the secondary scoring, well, Nashville doesn't have it. The D group contribute. Roman Yossi has six goals, but it's not making up the difference. Still, the overall is near league bottom. It's a lack of contribution from the top six, the bottom six, and the D-group six. Collectively, and how a year ago, Nashville, under the same coach and near to the same personnel, could, and now this year can't, score. Is the message being heard from the coach, or the adjustments needed not working? Or just how much did this team overperform last year, especially the goaltending? And now Nashville is a year later what I predicted they would be a year ago, even though on paper it was supposed to be improved. Although lineup choices are the coach's decision, I haven't been a fan of some of them, Coach Hines and the lineup he plays, because I think it's designed to score less goals. The defense group and team defense, even with elite goaltending, gives up way too much. If you're going to force your fans to watch defensive low-scoring hockey, you got to be good at the defense part of it. And the requirement for the fans to enjoy it is winning. 
Otherwise, they turn on the team quick. Nashville division head-to-head record is 3-4-2. Nashville played two division games to finish up the Christmas break. Tonight, Wednesday in Chicago, and then return home to face Colorado Friday. Pacific Division comparative bottom pair, Calgary and Vancouver. Calgary with 34 points in 32 games played has a 531 point percentage and that is better than both St. Louis and Nashville currently and Calgary sits a spot back of Edmonton for the last wildcard spot. Vancouver's 29 points in 31 games played is below St. Louis and Nashville, although most don't consider Vancouver a playoff bound team. So that Vancouver is around where St. Louis and Nashville are within a game or two is not a good sign. That wraps up part three of the four-part podcast we conclude with Arizona and Chicago, the healthy scratch pairing, and we will focus on what building around a core is about and not about who's getting traded.